So today, what I want to talk about, actually, I'm going to talk about the BQE. All right. I don't know. I mentioned this last time. I was born in Brooklyn. I was sharing with uh, one of the brothers over at Lutheran Medical Center. I don't know if anybody knows where that is. Lutheran, I think it's like an NYU hospital now, right? They bought every, they kind of bought everything up in the whole city. Uh, but I want to talk about, I want to talk about the BQE and I'll tell you why in a second. And then I want to talk about this topic of significance, because I think that's something that I know I struggle with. Am I significant? Do I have value? And I want to talk about that today. Maybe that's something you're thinking about as well. But before we dive into that, let's go, let's talk a little bit about the BQE. Can you show me the next slide? Everybody know the BQE? Bronze, Brooklyn Queens Expressway. I don't know how many people drive here. I don't, I don't drive a whole lot. I don't own a car. You know, it's expensive in New York. But I want to I want to talk to about the BQE a little bit. I don't know if people know this, but the BQE is the most congested highway in the whole U.S. All right. It's got the most traffic. I don't know if you've driven it. It's a terrible like all times of the day. There's not a time when there's not traffic on it. Right. And so, like I said, I, I don't drive much, but sometimes I borrow a car. Sometimes you rent a car. Sometimes you got to do something. And I've driven it, oh, sorry, I've driven it enough to kind of figure out a strategy to my approach, okay? Like, uh, you know, you're driving out, you know, there's that overpass over the Gowanus. I don't know if people know that. And then you kind of do that little flyover. I got my lane. I know which lane I'm going in. Going on the second lane, coming over that ramp. Go over the ramp. When you go over the ramp, you got to cut over to the right side. You know what I'm saying? That ramp goes forward. Now, you don't want to break no laws. So before that double line comes up, you got to cut over to the left again when you go right. And then by the time you get to the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, you pull over to the right. And, you, you know, all of that, I, I, I figured it out. I feel good. And you know how much time I saved? Three minutes. <laughs> Three minutes. Three minutes. But you know what? I feel good when I save that three minutes. And do you know why? It's not because I'm trying to get somewhere. And I'm trying to get there faster because, frankly, look, at the end of the day, everybody gets there slow, right? If you really want to get to, say, Manhattan fast, you pay the toll and you take the tunnel, right? And that'll get you there faster. But I, I don't want to pay the toll. So I take the. <laughs> but you know why it makes me feel better? Because when I look over to the guy in the other lane, I'm saying I'm going faster than you, <laughs> right? Like, I, even though I'm only three cars ahead, I feel good. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if something in me, my wife tells me when she's sitting there, she's saying, I'm crazy. So why don't you just stay in your lane? You'll get there three minutes later. But for me, I, when I look over and I'm faster than that car or that truck next to me, I feel good. I, I'm, it makes me feel significant, right? And I just want to say, isn't that so true of our lives sometimes, right? Because what we do in life is we're going forward, we're, we're in our lane, but oftentimes we're looking left and we're looking right and we're, we're assessing how significant we are based on how we compare to somebody else, right? And when we look left and we look right and we, we're ahead in some way, we feel better about ourselves somehow. You know, we feel like we're doing the right thing and look, we're, at least we're better than them. And when somebody else is, you know, when that car somehow figured out now, you know, they're now three lane, three cars ahead. I feel, I feel bad. And it's, isn't it the same way sometimes in our own life? You, you look over and you see, hey, that person, I went to high school with that person. or I went to, you know, whatever. And look where they are. What happened to me? How come they could do it? I can't do it. There's something wrong with me. 
right? There's something wrong with me. I think we all experience that. So today, what I want to talk about is this idea of significance. And I want to talk about it through a psalm. If you go to the next slide, Psalm 73. And it's written by Asaph, a, a, a church leader, just like our wonderful church leaders, worship leaders today. What are the brothers were sharing? Like it's by Asaph. He's a, he's a Levite. He's a worship leader. And he shares his experience in this psalms about this idea of what he went through. That you know what? He was going through, as it says here, God is good to Israel, those who are pure in heart. But you know what he did? He looked left and he looked right. And what he said, even these first two, but as for me, my foot, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. And he wants to, and as we dig in today, we're gonna learn about his experience because he said he, he recovered, thank God. Right? He said, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I almost went down. I almost fell off the ledge. But because of what I learned, God pulled me back and God saved me. Right? And showed me my significance. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right? So what I want you to do, if you're all right with that, please rise. We're going to read God's word together. Scott, I got two slides. I'm sorry, it's a little bit small. I should make it bigger. If you can see it, it's okay. Otherwise, it's Psalm 73 in your Bible. All right? Let's read the word of God together. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. Next slide. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Can we go to the next slide, please? All right, so today what we're going to dive into is this idea of search, our search for significance. Because I believe we all want to know, want to feel that we are significant, that we are, we, our lives have meaning. That, that we are important in some way, right? I can say that probably for all of us, that we're not just here like a blip, you know, in the eternal timeline that just is here and is, go is gone tomorrow. And yet, what the world tells us about significance and how you are significant and what you're worth is very different than what the Bible tells us about what, what 
about how we are significant. We're going to explore that today through Psalm 73. I'm just going to I'm just going to, you know, remember we said this is Asaf. He's he's gone through this process and now he's sharing his wisdom with us. And so I want to break this out for us today into two sections, really. What was the problem that Asaf faced when the psalmist was writing this? What was what was the issue? What were the issues that he was facing? And here we'll see in the passage, he talks about seeing and envying and embittering and being embittered, being bitter about stuff. And yet what changed? There was a change here in that passage, right? And what was the solution? And we'll talk about these, these words again, entering, understanding, and desiring God. Okay, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. What was the problem? And then what was the solution that the psalmist here saw? All right, so let's go to the next slide. The first thing for the problem when we see what the psalmist wrote here is that he said, surely God is good, but as for me, my foot almost sleep, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. First, you, you know, the eyes, what we see with our eyes is so critical, right? When we look around, again, a lot of times in our life, we're looking and we're turning right and we're turning left, right? We know that if, if we can't see, if we see, we can't see, that's hard. And sometimes when we, when we see things, it influences us, right? That's one of the main things when we're looking around. And the Bible says this too, right? It says, if you go to the next slide, it says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light, right? So what, what our eyes see is so important because that's one way that if our eyes are healthy, right? If our eyes, you know, I got glasses, I'm getting older now, I gotta have these, like these bifocals, right? And I can't read, I gotta take my glasses off, right? But I want, I, I got new glasses and now I can see well, right? And I feel healthy, right? So if that's working, your whole body's gonna be full of light. If you're looking at something good, that's gonna reflect in your life. If you're looking at something tough, that's also gonna reflect in your life. What the Bible says here, is, is the next passage, go uh, next slide. But it also says here, right? It says, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is going to be full of darkness, right? If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a reminder to us today, and for me included, of like, what am I looking at? You know, what am I spending my time doing looking around because it's really important. One thing that really, you know, I got three kids and uh, one thing that I struggle with in my kids is, I don't, I don't know if this is maybe true, maybe true for you, maybe true for your kids, I don't know, but they're, they're always on their phone looking at like the, like these videos and it's like, man, you're wasting your life. You know, that stuff is like addictive, right? It's addictive, it's just, you can't, you can't get off it. And that's our society today. If you don't go to the next slide, you know, they've been studies, you know, and you, this is a little, this is from 2021, but you know, they're whistle, and I'm sorry, you may not be able to read this, the little text, but it, the whistleblowers bring attention to Facebook and Instagram, and it's true. What the Bible says is true. What you're looking at affects you, and we know there's studies that show when you're looking, you're spending all your time, and I'm not trying to rag Facebook or Instagram, you know, they got their, there's value there, right? But, but I'm saying it affects people's young people, especially young people's mental health, right? There's studies about that, right? The other day, all those 
CEOs were up in Washington and they were like testifying about all the issues and how it's affecting young people. Because why? Because a lot of it relates to comparison. There's a young girl's susceptible because they see the highlights. Everything looks so perfect. Everything looks so perfect. And then we start to compare again. It's the looking left and the looking right. And man, that person is in this part, part of the world. And this person looks, you know, so perfect. Well, we know it's really not the case, right? It's really not the case, but it's a reminder, again, in this passage from the psalmist, that the first step that he took that was problematic was that, not that he was seeing, but that he was not seeing in a healthy way, right? He was not seeing with his eyes in a healthy way. If you go to the next slide, please. Because here, what it says is he was, we can see that he was seeing inaccurately. Because let's just read what he wrote here. He says, for I envy the arrogant when I saw the prosperity. They have no struggle. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common burdens. They are not plagued by human ill. That's what it looks like. Sometimes that's what the Instagram and the Facebook and I don't know what else, the TikTok or whatever. That's what it looks like, right? But is that true? You can be as wealthy, as arrogant, as prosperous, but you know what? <laughs> What's the two things in life that are, you know, Taxes and death, like death, right? And everybody, their bodies are healthy and strong at this point, but we know that's not forever, right? They're not plagued by human ills. Actually, you know, I got some friends that are really wealthy and really rich, but they're not, ha they're not always happy people either, right? So it's this idea that when you start to see, and you start to see things inaccurately, you don't see the full picture, you don't understand, that starts to affect your brain, that starts to affect your whole life. Right? So that's what was happening here first, was that the psalmist, when he, he's telling us the stories, he says, I'm seeing, and I'm seeing inaccurately, because that's what you see in his writing. Okay? Let's go to the next slide. And so what happens when you start to see, and you start to see inaccurately, and you're not getting a clear sense, you're only seeing these perfectly set up pictures of everybody on Instagram, everything looks so perfect. What happens? You start to envy Right, you know what, you know like that, like envy, I don't, you probably had that sense before, like, oh, like, I, I want that, right? That's like, why don't I have that? Like, you start to envy, right? The Bible talks about that, right? If you go to the next slide, right, it, right? In the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant's donk, ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The Bible knows about envy. The Bible knows about the power of envy and what it can do in our life, right? And so that's why it's up there. That's why it's one of those big things that we need to be aware of and we need to be thinking about because that envy comes and starts to eat at us, right? And we start to compare more. You know, it's interesting. If you go to the next slide, I, uh, I was listening to a sermon by uh, Pastor David Biscoe. He's over at Redeemer, you know, one of the churches in this in Manhattan, and, it, and he talks about, you know, about money. Like we, you know, money plays such a big role. Let's, let's, you know, the Bible talks about money all the time, right? And we all need money, frankly, to survive. But he talks about, you know, money and how we want to make it a lot of times in our world, you know, like the false trinity, you know, like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that the Bible puts on for us to, to help us grow and to protect us and to guide us. Instead of using, instead of having God in that place, a lot of us sometimes, we want to put money in that place, right? 
And what he says here, he says, Father, you know why? It's like the Father. You know, money can create this environment that we desire. That it's like the Son, that it can somehow save us from our troubles. Right? And it's like the Holy Spirit. It, it gives us comfort to us when we're in need. And we have this idea that money is going to solve all our problems. And he calls that the false trinity. Right? Take that Take that, in, 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 that lesson. I thought that was really good. You know, when we start to envy, when that thing starts to build up in our, in our hearts, right? So what happens when we start to envy, then what did, this, uh, what did the psalmist experience? If you go to the next slide, please. He starts to experience bitterness, you know? It starts to fester, right? That envy, that seeing. You see, then you feel envious, and what happens? You start to feel embittered. He says, well, my heart was grieved and my, was sen- my spirit embittered. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast. He called himself a beast before you. Right? He becomes embittered. What does that word embittered mean? If you go to the next slide, it, you know, it means, it, it, you know, the original language means to pick, prick, to pierce, to vex, to sharpen. It's almost like you get that little, you know, little, little thing in your, like, uh, you know, in your skin, like a little thorn or maybe like a little pear, and it's just there, right? And it just kind of keeps on, it keeps on bothering you. And if, you, if you're not careful, that thing can spread. You can get an infection. It can fester. It can grow. It can make you really sick, right? And that's what happens is it starts to, when we start to see inaccurately, when we start to get envious, what happens? We become bitter, right? It eats at our heart. Right? And we start to look at everything in our life, good or bad, all the good things that God gives us. We don't see that no more. We don't see that, that that's God's hand in, in what he gave us. Why? Because we see it in the, even in the next verse here. Right? He says in Psalm 73, 13, he says, Surely in vain, what does he say? He says, I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. Right? If you're a believer today, you know it's only by the grace of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that we could keep our heart pure, that we could be innocent, that we could be washed clean. But what happens when we go down this path? We start to think that this is what I can do. Look at what I've done. Look at all my efforts. Why am I not getting what I deserve? Right? I know I've felt that way before. It's not fair. Look at this person in the left. Look at this person in this lane. I should have gotten this. Look at, look at the work of my hands and my hard work. And that's true. God's not saying, no, don't work. But in this, what we see is that God, that, that, that the psalmist is pushing out God. It's all me, me, and me. So if you go to the next slide. So where we were just singing today, you know, the worship leader led us in such beautiful song of like every, every morning we come and we praise God every, you know, Praise God for every new morning. His blessings are new every morning. What happens to us when we go down this path is what the psalmist experienced. All day long, I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. I don't know if you felt like that. Every morning you get up and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle, but it's a punishment. Not just a struggle. It's like wake up and somebody's like flogging you, right? It's like, why am I even awake, right? Con- con- contrast that with what it says in, next slide please, in Lamentations. Now, if you remember Lamentations, like the word is lament. It's like I'm in suffering, right? And it's, uh, we're all sad and it's terrible. Yet the person who wrote this in Lamentations can say 
that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Even in that suffering, the person who's in lamentations, right? They're suffering and being conquered and, and being exiled and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the writer of lamentations can give praise to God for every morning. But what we're seeing here in that Psalms, Asaph, the writer, is that when, I, when he gets up, man, it's a punishment. It's a struggle. It's hardship. So we can see in this story, right, as we're going through, like, how the psalmist, he says he, his, foot, his foot almost slipped. He almost fell into the pit, right? He almost, he almost, you know, went down. But thanks be to God, we know that that didn't happen, right? Because he was writing about it. He's writing his, his lessons for us today about what did he learn so that he didn't fall into that pit, so that he avoided that, right? And so now let's talk a little bit about what did he learn? Right? How, how, how could he go from the Psalm 73, I've been every morning afflicted, how do we get to this lamentations, right? That every new morning is a blessing and great is your faithfulness. Let's go to the next one. I would say, because what he's sharing with us, and I would say this is one of those things that you should, you know, if you're going to write a few things down, don't forget this, right? This is, this is by Theodore Roosevelt, I guess, our, you know, our president, but he said, he said this, he said, comparison is the thief of joy. Wow. Comparison is the thief of joy. Think of that, yeah. right? If you're waking up every morning, life is a struggle. There may be many things, but one thing just consider is, is it that, 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 that this left and right, left and right, something that you had was so good and now you're looking left and right and it doesn't seem so good. You forget the blessing, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. How did he get out of this? How did the psalmist get out of this. Let's go back now. So remember we were talking about the problem and I want to talk about his solution. What does he teach us today so that we can get out of this pit? So that we can have joy, right? That it's not taken away. What is it that he learned? Let's go to the next slide. So the first thing he learned that he teaches us, he talks about, is that when he was trying to understand this, when he's trying to understand why am I in this situation, it troubled him deeply. His heart was troubled. Till what? Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Just kind of like we're here today in the sanctuary of God, right? Let's look, at, let's look at those two words, enter. What is enter? If you go to the next slide, enter means to come in, to go in. I think what's important here is, is this idea of to approach while bringing an offering, right? When you're bringing an offering, what does that mean? That means that you're not looking left, you're not looking right, you're looking up, right? You're looking up. We gotta change our direction from looking left and right to looking up, to remembering that we're bringing an offering. What does that mean? Bringing an offering means that somebody we're offering to, right? That there is a higher power, that there's somebody who is watching over us. We need to change our perspective, that's what happened here because he entered into the sanctuary just like we're doing here today. We remember that there is, some, there is a greater power than us. There is somebody who was watching over us, right? If you go to the next slide, it also says that he entered into the sanctuary. What is sanctuary? Sanctuary is here, the holy place, 
the place where we meet and experience God, to be in the presence of God. Right? What he did was he entered, he gave an offering, he looked up, and he was in the presence of God. When you experience God's love, when you know that God is for you, that changes you. Right? That really changes you. And that's what, we, that's what he's sharing here today, is that he first entered into the sanctuary, into the sanctuary, just like we are doing here today, brothers and sisters, that God would show us that we'd be able to look up at his goodness, at his greatness for our lives, right? What else did he do? So he entered, if you go to the next slide, please. And then he entered and then he began to understand. He began to understand, God began to give him wisdom reminding him of what God has done for him. Now, this was in the Psalms. This is the Old Testament. This was before Jesus. But he's reminded of God's goodness and God's grace. But today, we stand on this side of the greatest event in history of Jesus' death and resurrection so that we could have life. I, I don't know if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're just, you just walked in you're just trying to figure out, you know, what this is all about. Speak to somebody afterwards because there is a Savior who died for you, who loves you, so that you could have eternal life, that we could live in God's grace and the abundant life here as well as in heaven. So he began to understand that, right? And if you go to the next slide, you know, first, what did he understood? He understood, just like we said before, that people see inaccurately. That where people, he thought that people like that he was looking at, you know, on their Instagram and like they look like they're going to live forever and they're always doing well. What do he say? He's understood their final destiny. Then he began to see accurately. He began to see that when you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin, they are suddenly destroyed, quickly separated by terrors. They are like a dream. When one we, he began to see that as much as we feel like we have control of our life, that we don't have control. That in any situation... No matter you're rich, you're poor, whatever it might be, at one moment, your whole life can be changed. Sickness, accidents, who knows, right? God is in control as much as we think we are. Right? He began to see that. He began to see accurately, right? He began to see accurately. How important is that for our eyes so that we can have a healthy mindset and a healthy body? If you go to the next slide today, what do we see? What do we understand? Because as I said, we are now on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection. And I just share a quote that I love from the late Tim Keller, pastor at Redeemer, that I hope resonates with you. And it's about the gospel. This is what we need to understand. Right? That we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Right? That we are all sinful and depraved. And when I look at my life and I'm going to be truthful, I know that. I can see that, right? I can see that. Yet, at this very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope, right? That we, we are so sinful, yet there is a God who loves us, who died for us, that loves, accepts us, that calls us significant, that calls us significant no matter our situation. If you go to the next slide. So what I want to tell you about today, and this slide is a little bit messed up, but 
But what it says, is, what, the key point here is this today, is this. That the ordering of how we think about significance is everything. Okay? Because the world tells us, this is what the world tells us. This is what the psalmist was saying. The world tells us you first achieve, you first do something. Something great. And you will have significance. Right? Sorry, that significance is supposed to be on the same line. You do something and you will have its significance. But what the gospel tells us is this, is that you already, that we already have significance. That in our sin and in our depravity, that God loves us for who we are, knowing even all of our sin and hardship. That you have, you and I have a significance and because of that, we're gonna go out and we're gonna go achieve. Because of the good things that God has given and, and put in our lives, whatever that may be, we may have the one talent, we may have the two talents, we may have the five talents, we may have a million talents, whatever it might be. We do that out of a sense of gratitude because God has told us that we are significant, that we have meaning. And if that, if that truly is in our lives, we sense that and we understand that, we'll go, do, go out and do anything for God, right? Because we have that significance already. I just want to remind us today that that ordering is everything. If you think, if you're, and you're you know, struggling today, just like I am, you know, looking left and looking right, and man, I didn't, I didn't do, do anything. I haven't done anything with my life. Who am I, right? God is saying, I've, it's not what you do, it's what I've already done. That you, you have significance, you have meaning. Your life is not just some blip that is gone. I loved you so much that I died for you. That, that, let that richly dwell in our hearts. Because once we experience and once we know that, we can go out and do great things. We can, we can, we can conquer the world, do all these things for God. But the motivation is completely different, right? We're not out there trying to prove something. Right? We're not acting out of fear or pride, but we're acting out of life change because of what God has done, that we want to demonstrate our gratitude to our Savior and to our Lord. If you go to the next slide, this is the last slide I have here. So what happens then? You know, once you, you, uh, you enter, you are looking up, right? Once, once you have seen what God has done, you understand our lives are changed. Our lives are changed. What does he end with? These are some of the most amazing verses, I think, in the Bible. It's a, such a great, beautiful reminder to us that whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing that I desire besides you, right? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen to that. Amen, right? God, like God, like, God, God puts a fire in our hearts when we start to see that, right? When, when we start to experience that, when we understand God's love for us, man, he puts that, heart, that fire, he changes us, right? He, he, we want to know him more. We want to serve him because of the goodness of the great, and the grace that we've experienced. To, to know that we have significance, not because of somebody telling us, hey, good job, although that's, that would be great, but because we have innate we, we are we are significant we know that 
that somebody loves us and, and, and died for us. When that stirs in us, that desire, that fire to go out for do something great, but for our Lord, not for ourselves. Right? That's what this psalmist experienced. So let me just close then today. You know, I, I, I was very grateful when I was reading this psalm just to be able to kind of get the, you know, for this psalmist to share his wisdom with us. Right? Like what he went through, how he almost fell off the cliff, and yet how he came back. And God showed him a different path. God gave him a reminder of the significance that he, he holds, holds. And so that's my hope for us today. You know, and I would just ask you, I don't know where you are in your life. Like, how are you thinking about things? You know, maybe you're flying high and it's like, hey, look, look at all that I've done. Everything's good. My bank account is good. And I, I'm, I'm looking all, look at me. And, or maybe you're on the other side, like, hey, I look at these folks around me. I'm, I'm really lagging behind. I got, you know, I got nothing. And, 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 and I, it's a punishment to get up every morning, right? Either way, we forget, right, that it's God that gives us significance. You know, if, we, if, you, if our life is based on the idea that, hey, I'm going to accomplish, I'm accomplish, that's my value, one day something's not going to go right and you're going to get crushed, right? And, and, and if our value is, you know, is, is like we can't do anything and we haven't done anything, look at our then we are missing what God is teaching us and telling us, that God's love is significant for us, right? So today, I challenge us to look up, to look up. Don't look, look, don't look at somebody else's lane. Stay in our lane, right? The Bible tells us, you know, like uh, in Hebrews, throw, throw off everything that hinders. There's such a great cloud of witnesses and what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus gives us that, gives us that lane, you know, who are we looking at? We're looking at, we're looking at Jesus. You know, when they got racehorses, what do they do? They don't, they, they put those blinders on. Why? Because you don't want the racehorses to be looking left and right and left. You're fixing on where you're supposed to be going. May that be a reminder to us today of the significance that God gives to you and me.